welcome to Confidence Leads to Success podcast. Get ready for your weekly dose of Confidence Booster with inspirational stories of women across the globe. The one and only podcast made to empower women through fashion, wealth, health, well-being and more. Good afternoon, ladies, and welcome back to Confidence Leads to Success with me, Elif Kyose. I am so excited to introduce you my guest today, Vanessa Cadderford. Have I said that right? Perfect. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to have her here with us because I didn't realize we met quite a while ago, but sometimes life brings you together again, and we, we met again over Facebook, and then... I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to have this wonderful woman to help us how we can find our voice to be able to speak up for ourselves and have that self-belief and self-confidence, you know, what we stand for, what our values are. And she helps women to find these and support each other and believe in each other. And I'm so excited to have her here. Vanessa, could you please tell us how you started this and what's your story? I would love to, Elif. Thank you for having me. And as you say, it's so nice to be back in contact with each other because I first met you when you were just starting out your fashion business and your beautiful shop is in the village that my parents live. And obviously I go and visit my parents and I've seen your beautiful clothes in the window. I've bought some of those beautiful clothes from you over the years as well. And I've seen your business grow and thrive. And it's lovely, lovely to see you making these wonderful things and doing so well. So thank you for having me on your interview series. And it's a really good fit, isn't it? Because obviously you're helping business women to feel confident in their business. What I do is help women to speak confidently because I've been through that journey myself. So for the last 20 years, I've been working as a journalist for various different news organizations. I had one of the ITV regional news programs. I was the main anchor. That was my show in the West Country. And I did that for a number of years. And it was when I was doing that program five nights a week that suddenly I became overtaken with speaking nerves. It had been growing for a little while, but there was one particular event when I was interviewing a well-known politician. I knew that interview was going to be really scrutinized and I choked on air. I literally choked and coughed and couldn't get my words out. And so my co-host had to take over and he carried on the interview but I felt horrific. And afterwards, you know, my boss was very kind about it. And she said, well, you coped with it. These things happen. But it really started for me a chain of events that meant that I just completely lost my confidence on air. And I began to get very nervous and I'd have panic attacks and stage fright before going on air, which was a horrible position to be in because I was doing this five nights a week live on television, going out to hundreds of thousands of people hating it. And so really you know, I managed to kind of struggle on for a number of months. And then happily, I became pregnant with my little boy. And I thought, right, I just need to get to maternity leave. And then when I'm on maternity leave, I'll find a new job, I'll find a new thing I can do. And, you know, that had been my plan, really. But then when I was on maternity leave, I realized, well, actually, there's a lot about this job that I do love. I love being a journalist. I love telling people's stories. I think it matters. Um, I just need to get over the fear thing. So, I tried a lot of things and over the course of a year, 18 months, found my own toolkit. Partly I had some cognitive behavioral therapy to help me. I also worked with speaking coaches. I spoke to a lot of other 
presenters, quite high profile presenters who you would recognize on television, mm-hmm. who said that they struggle with this too. And that just really sort of took the pressure off and made me think, well, I'm not so weird. Everybody has these moments. It where they takes pressure things. off me as I hear your story, because we would not actually think that. No. It- it's great. Thank you. Keep going. <laughs> well, well, I'm so glad. Yeah, you know, because it, it's funny you say that because, you know, I went through my own journey and managed to get back on air and went on to work for the BBC and NBC mm-hmm. in the US and enjoy it. Even um, Turkish TV you worked for. Yes, yeah, exactly. they say in Turkey, don't they? Yeah, yeah, the national broadcaster. But, you know, what I realized in that time when I was overcoming it is I am not unusual. And really, when I looked into it, up to 70% of people don't like speaking. And we've spoken about this, Elif, haven't we? That when you first started organizing your events, you didn't want to speak and you put the spotlight on other people. And you've grown in confidence since and now you're doing this and it's incredible and you're brilliant at it. But that doesn't, you know, come naturally to everyone, you can learn to do it. And that's what I've gone on to do. Because when I overcame my own fears, some of the speaker coaches that I worked with to help me overcome my own fears said, well, come and work with us, come and help us. And what I realized was that in every organization I went to, there was always someone in that room who was great at their job. It was usually a woman, I'm sorry to say, but it's true. It was usually a woman who was great at her job, had loads of important stuff to say, but just felt afraid and so stopped herself from saying it. And when I saw them, I thought, I know you because I've been you and I can help you. And really, Really from that is where my my business was born and over the last eight years I've been running it and now it's become my full-time job I'm now no longer working as a journalist I did my last presenting shift for the BBC a couple of years ago now and this helping coach women to be confident speakers is what I do full-time now and I love it it's so fascinating because it's it is so true when I first started I use these as my um, my way of reaching out to loads of people, but I was always so nervous and I always felt so afraid that because English is my second language and at, at the beginning of my journey, it wasn't at the level it is right now, but it was good enough. Looking back now, I was good enough, but I had... I didn't have the confidence to stand in front of people. And I remember my first ever event at the village, I was standing in front of like 115 women sitting and looking at me. And I had two fashion stylists, very good fashion stylists as my speakers, because I wasn't confident, even though I knew everything they had to say. I knew everything about fashion, like styling and color and what shape and what what um, neckline to suit. But because I wasn't confident to do that talk, I had these amazing women to do it on behalf of me. But over the years, hearing like your story, everybody has it. I thought, I've got to do this. I've got to keep doing it till I learn to trust myself. And the fact that nobody's going to say, oh, look at her. She made a mistake. They will just help you actually to correct yourself if you are wrong, not in a kind of making fun of you it's more like helping you and that once I I felt that together feeling from other women this is why I feel empowered by other women I thought this is my time to help others to hear your story and everybody else's and you're doing an amazing job aren't you this is what this whole series is about (laughs) what your group is about it's what your work is about outside your fashion work and your story is so common and it's interesting how 
you were saying that you know initially you thought people might kind of judge you and we often set this standard for ourselves that's way higher than anyone else (laughs) would set you know and now you can look back and say well actually I was good enough then but at the time it didn't feel like you were good enough and what we tend to do is subconsciously gather evidence for why we can't do something it's almost like a tabletop of belief if you imagine along this table it says I my English isn't good enough or I'm not good at speaking in public and then we gather the table legs under that tabletop without even realizing over time so you might look at someone else who's a native English speaker and say I don't speak like that person there's one bit of evidence for why I can't do it or you might say you know I don't have a degree in fashion I've just kind of learned this myself there's another bit of evidence for why I can't do it and over time you gather all this evidence without even realizing you're doing it and now this belief here is so strong you can't rock it because it's got so much evidence but what you've described you've done more recently is the opposite gather the evidence for why you can do it so you've gathered the evidence that says when I'm honest and I say well this feels a bit strange people are really sympathetic people actually aren't really noticing all these things I don't look at people critically when they speak I just listen to their message and now you've gathered all these other bits of evidence and now you truly feel confident and that really is all that it takes you've just got to choose what evidence you're going to gather and hold on to. And that's a massive part of what I do. Obviously, it's a lot of speaking technique as well, but it starts with what you believe about yourself. The mindset that having the, I think I have always had the growth mindset in my, in my belief. So that always helped me. If I'm not good enough, I can learn it. I always said that. (laughs) And sometimes I've even been described as outspoken sometimes or she's too too sure of herself, too much this, too much that. I think, um, but I always ignored and I said, oh, there, that's their opinion and that's none of my business. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how can you? How can you have too much opinion or be too outspoken as long as you're not, you know, squashing other yeah. people, if you're speaking your truth. Again, you know, we judge women by a different measure and happily this is changing, but the words that we use to describe women who have an opinion and who are strong are words like bossy, outspoken, difficult. Do you remember when our former Prime Minister Theresa May was described as a difficult woman? We wouldn't tend to say he's a difficult man, he's an outspoken man, he's a bossy man. We call them powerful, strong, whatever. And um, these are, uh, you know, the language is so important. Again, this is all part of the subconscious beliefs that we build up about ourselves. If you're told that, if you're told you're too outspoken, you can kind of store that away and then start to believe that story. But what I tell my clients is other people's reactions Tell us about them in general, not about you. So what is it about that person that they can't handle your opinion or they can't handle you being strong? It's not about you. That's right. Would you be able to give like a little tip to someone who's going through what I was going through so they don't feel afraid? Yeah. Gosh, so many. Where to start? So um, first of all, what I was describing about the gathering of evidence, really consciously gather the evidence for why you're great at what you do. So if you think for a moment about the speaking event that you're having to go to, what is it that scares you about that? What's the thought that that is kind of at the core of that fear? So you described, Elif, how you used to feel that your language was the barrier. And then once you've isolated what that kind of core fear is, and there may be more than one, 
it's about building the evidence that supports the belief that you'd need to have. So in your case, it would have been, where's the evidence that my English is good enough to do this? Well, I work in English every single day. This person told me that I speak very well. I've always had top marks in my English exam. Whatever it is, gather the evidence, gather the evidence and choose to build the beliefs that you'd need to have. So that's number one. In terms of in the moment, because it's quite common, it's very common to feel that kind of heart rate just before you're about to speak. And there are good reasons for that. It's written into our DNA because our ancestors who evolved in Africa on the savannas, they were very exposed to harsh environments and to predators. And the ones who survived were the ones who lived in groups and cooperated. And to be excluded from that group really was a death sentence. And so this kind of fear of exclusion, fear of judgment is an evolutionary advantage that has been passed down to us. We still feel it very strongly, except of course today it's not really a death sentence if you're a bit embarrassed in front of your group. Knowing that that's why you feel like that and it's a very natural reaction can be helpful to reframe it for some people. What happens is because that fear of exclusion, you know, was a dangerous thing to be excluded in in those days when our ancestors were evolving, it gets us into a state of fight or flight response. So when we're in fight or flight, we're ready to face the danger. We either want to run away from it, fight it or avoid it. And you see that with people when they're speaking, they either avoid it or they're getting ready to fight or flee. You're getting all these horrible symptoms of the heart racing, the sweaty hands, the dry throat. When we're in that fight or flight response, our prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for memory and thinking, it doesn't work as well. Because when you're having to fight or flee from a predator, you don't need to be thinking clearly and speaking beautifully. You just need to be reactive and fighting. So it's the worst possible state to be in that panic situation when you're speaking. It's why you have mind blanks and you forget your words. So really effective then to take that sort of top layer of anxiety off just before is breathing. And we have this fantastic override system, our natural override system for panic, which is our breath. And when you breathe deeply and slowly into your belly, then you're stimulating your vagus nerve, which is the nerve that operates your rest and digest system, if you like. So five, 10 minutes of that deep belly breathing, slowing your breath down, breathing slowly before you go on air will just get you in a better state. And don't just save it for when you're about to speak, do it regularly. If you can do it for five minutes in bed every night, then you'll develop what's called good vagal tone. It's like toning a muscle so that when you need your voice, yeah yeah you can you can then access it that feeling of calm that much more quickly and then finally i'll say one last thing about speaking technique which is that less is more what i see most people do when they speak in front of an audience is they try to say too much they speak too quickly because they're trying to get through it all and remember it all but they're kind of bamboozling their audience because they're saying too much we actually find it quite hard to take in a lot of information when we're hearing people speak information dense information is better conveyed in a document We want to be sharing ideas when we speak, changing minds, but you don't need lots of data and information and facts to do that. So you're better off keeping it simple. Three key things is really all you need and keep it to those few things because it will actually be more powerful and more persuasive in the long run.
I love that. Wow, what golden nuggets you keep sharing. Wow. <laughs> uh, Gina, when I when I did my first virtual summit, I was so nervous when I look when I go back and watch my first ever summit. I was talking a bit like this, my voice had gone and my shoulders usually get inwards like this when I'm talking and I was just I, and I was cold, even the house was like 28 degrees. <laughs> I just felt so hot and cold, head and cold, because I don't know why I was feeling that way, but it's the, the fear of saying the wrong thing or or not introducing to someone in the right way and, and forgetting their name or the pronunciation or so many things that I just feel. And the moment I changed my mindset, especially on these virtual ones, I always thought I can re I can start again. I can say, oh, oh just sorry, I'm just going to start again and I can just say it right from the beginning. And I don't see anyone because I wouldn't make fun of anybody. Why would somebody would do that to me? And, um, and, and I just thought, let it go, Elif. Don't talk to yourself that some, you wouldn't talk to anybody. So just forgive yourself and love yourself. And that's that has given me the permission to just just be here <laughs> and be authentic and you know we make mistakes that's just normal that's just life just own them and and confess if you like and say sorry i've forgotten my words let me start again can anyone help me out here can anyone remember this name for something that i've forgotten it's what we do in everyday conversation and we don't worry about it is when we're trying to be so perfect and nothing go wrong and we've set this bar so high unreachably high because when you're speaking in public stuff's going to go wrong you're going to forget something you know something's going to fall over your slides might not work you'll forget someone's name something will go wrong that's the only guarantee if you own up to it as you rightly say people are understanding and it just also relieves the pressure and um, you know once you kind of say sorry i've forgotten my words it's almost like you feel this kind of wave of relief if you're trying to kind of keep it in then that's when it feels really kind of unbearably difficult and, you know, nerve wracking. So I've just got one little question for you. So what is your biggest learning event in life that, that you took away with you? Gosh, that's a big question. I suppose for me, you know, I got to the point where I'd wanted to be a journalist. I'd, you know, wanted to be a, a news anchor. And then I thought I couldn't have that thing anymore because the panic was so awful and I really couldn't see a way out of it at all in that time. And I thought I have to find a new career. It was before I became a mum. It was, you know, all my identity, who I was, was bound up in my career. It felt very important to me when I was in my late 20s. And what I've realised is that although that felt horrible at the time, actually it was that difficult thing that's the very thing that's enabled me to create something I love now, something I love more actually than that job. And, you know, I love now working with women who are brilliant at what they do, who have so much to share with the world and who just have this one little fear. And it, and I say little, it feels big to them, but I know it's little because I know it's surmountable. Once we do it in the right way, it's the only thing that's holding them back. And then once they get over it, you know, we just see them soar. And I've had people go from taking anti-anxiety medication to speak or never having spoken in public to then doing TED Talks, for example. And I was I going that, to say that. You now help women to do TED Talks. This is 
I would love that. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it, Elif. It's amazing, actually. Once you get rid of that fear, once people know that they have the techniques to be really great speakers, then their horizons open. And it's not just just about I've got to give a presentation at work. It's about get me on a stage. I want to do a TED talk. And that is so exciting as well. Then some magic really starts to happen. One of the things I've noticed, including myself, that what happens is I I feel what have I got to say? Why why do I think my somebody wants to hear my story? And that's that was one of the things that held me back speaking about my truth and, and my back background and I have this friend she just said do you know how many people need to hear your story to feel stronger do you know how many people need to hear that exact story that I had shared my my adversity and how I turned that into my advantage and uh, she said do you know how many people need that this is why you need to speak about it and I thought but how who am I to talk to people who am I? And that that kind of belittling myself was just so heartbreaking now looking back. Yeah. And we love stories. We love stories, don't we? As a child, we love stories. It's how we learn about the world and how we, you know, understand ourselves is through stories. So your story is incredibly powerful. And the fact that you're sharing it is brilliant. Where Ted is concerned, stories are great. It's not just about a story for Ted. What they want is an idea idea worth sharing and a lot of people think why me what you know what have I got to say what I would say is so brilliant about Ted is it's not about who you are what you've achieved your status it is just about your idea and anybody can have a great idea that's new that's different that's a new perspective one of my favorite TED talks is actually by a 10-year-old girl she gave it 10 years ago so she's now a grown woman but at the time she was a 10-year-old girl And it was all about what adults can learn from kids. And, you know, it was such a refreshing talk. And she talks about how kids haven't yet given up on their dreams and they don't have the fears that adults have. And it's a really goosebumps. Yeah, it is amazing. You know, look it out. I'll I'll have to send you the link afterwards, Ellen. But it's been watched millions of times. But you know, if you kind of think who's that little girl to share anything with the world? She's only 10. Yeah, she's only 10, but she had this amazing idea. And that's all it takes, really. So who are you not to share your idea with the world? Do you know, I I would love to share the story of mine when, as you know, I've started my journey as an alteration girl, and I had this tiny kiosk in Rottingdean village It's as you can't even swing a cat in there. That's how little how little it is. And I remember this old lady who 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 lived in Istanbul, both husband and wife. And she just came around and asked me, when did I learn how to do sewing? Because I didn't go to fashion school. I haven't got a fashion degree. I've got a degree in business. And I I just told her the story as it is, um, which is I used to help my mum make me clothes because my I grew up in a very strict Muslim family and I wasn't allowed to wear anything that I wanted, even a, a T-shirt like this, my arms were out and I was not allowed to wear. So I used to make clothes for my dolls and they were usually the, the clothes that I wasn't allowed to wear. And my dad used to go to journeys, like a, a business journeys, for a day trip or two days trip. And my mum would make me mini skirts and dresses so I could wear it when he's not there because she was my 
best supporter ever and she still is and um i remember helping her quickly so i could i could finish it before my dad comes so i could wear longer and i remember telling her story as i was living the moment and this woman was crying she thought that was so so like because she's never experienced that as a woman who grew up in britain and she was in her late 70s and she had lived in istanbul and she knew exactly what i went through because she's witnessed it and i could see her i just felt so bad and she said no this is the most beautiful story i've ever heard and it was the truth and i remember having a big fight with my dad on my prom night because i had a big slit on my long sleeve dress because as i walked out the house everything was fine as i was walking out the house opened the door opened my leg to get get out the door and he saw my leg and there was a big fight everybody in the block of flat was thinking something bad happened he was shouting so badly so my mum had to actually stitch the slit before i left so my dad wouldn't allow me to go out the house otherwise and i remember that day so vividly so i share these stories now just to say look this is what i had been through and now i dress women and i give them choice they can just dress in whatever they like whatever color they like so i share it i didn't realize how important it was so i'd love that what you do and you help others to do that and you tell your story beautifully, Elif. I can well understand how that 70-year-old client felt her tears, prick, uh, you know, tears prickling in her eyes, because I did when you told that just now. You know, it's you can feel it and you can empathize with you. And that's another reason, isn't it, why I think your business is so successful, because it's born of this complete passion and you've got a really strong reason why, why you want to do this, because you give, you empower women, you make them feel great, you give them choice, all of those things that you just said, it's more than, you know, just a little decoration, it's about how they feel about themselves, and it's about their confidence, and so you have this really strong why, and it comes through in your beautiful clothes. You understand women. You understand how it makes them feel. And that's why your things are so lovely. Can I ask you one thing? Does this have something to do with your um, passion? When you help people to be able to speak, women to be able to speak at TED Talks, do you also help them to find the right angle for their ideas? Yeah. As it's well as being part. able to speak. Yeah, it's a really, really huge part of it. Because sometimes you know, Ted is about ideas worth sharing. They really want a new angle. And sometimes we're not even aware of what that new thing is that we, how we see the world, but other people don't see it that way. And so sometimes people will come to me and they'll think their story or their talk is one thing, but then they'll say something to me and I'll think, no, this, this is new. This is what so I haven't you heard. You point their blind spots and you, you get yeah. it out. Yeah, and that's what journalists do because we're always looking for a new angle um, because the same stories come around over and over again, you know, or similar stories. So you're always having to find something new. So, yeah, you have to do the same with Ted. But I've yet to ever meet anyone who I haven't thought, you know, we can find a new way in here and find some kind of golden nugget. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's all doable. It's amazing. Right. I've got one last question for you. What does confidence mean to you? 
Confidence to me, what does it mean? I think it really means being true to myself, which you might say, well, what does that mean? But making my choices from the point of view of what I want to do rather than what I feel I should or might be afraid to do. And for example, you know, when I work with women, often they'll have made their career choices based on what keeps them safe, what doesn't expose them to doing things that make them feel afraid, in their cases, speaking usually. But by the time we finish working together, they make their career choices on the basis of what they really want to do. And so that, for me, that's confidence, making your choices because of what you want rather than other factors, what you feel you should or what you feel afraid to do. Amazing. Uh Thank you so much, Vanessa. I really enjoyed this. Elif, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I think from having heard your story today, we've got to get you on the TED stage. We'll take this <laughs> offline, but we've got to get the story on the TED stage. <laughs> I would love that. I, that's one of my dreams. <laughs> you might and make you the best speaker on there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vanessa. It's been great having you. It's been really fun. Thanks so much for having me. Wonderful. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your friends, post about it and leave us a rating and review because it will help me reach out to so many other women who are looking to listen to that story of someone to help them achieve their goals. So here is to your confidence.